some of the things I've been presented with as a headmaster over the years, eh, Dorothy? Dorothy was Ernest's wife, Bella's grandmother. She was sitting, as usual, with her legs crossed, jingling her bracelets. A rotating model gondola, for example, she agreed dryly, that played Arrivederci Roma and lit up when it turned around. I ask you. Really? said Alice, sounding fascinated. What did you do with it? Oh, I, I gave it to Lettuce to play with, said Dorothy. What did you do with it, Lettuce? Lettuce was Nesta's little sister and Bella's aunt. She was only twelve then, and as you couldn't call someone twelve years old auntie, Bella just called her Lettuce. Lettuce didn't answer. She was fiddling with some strands of her hair. Long, blonde, wavy hair, like a picture-book princess's. Bella had noticed that Lettuce was not very interested in other people's conversations. Either that or she was deaf. She was mainly interested in her hair. Lettuce had spent most of the holiday fighting with her parents about it. Noisy fights behind closed doors, and then more restrained ones in the living room or the kitchen, even in the garden. Lettuce didn't really talk to anyone else, not even her older brother, Nestor, whom she'd scarcely seen since he'd migrated to Australia before Bella was even born. She just fought with her parents. In any case, the conversation turned away from Ernest's tobacco pouch. But Bella didn't forget it. Later that week, when she came home from school, Bella found her mother Alice lying down in bed with the blinds drawn, complaining of a headache. Alice got a lot of headaches when Nesta's relatives were visiting, even when her own relatives were. Taking advantage of the situation, Bella went into the living room to turn on the television, but she never got that far. There, on the low living room table that Nesta had built out of bits of driftwood he'd picked up at the beach across the road from where they lived in Sydney, was her grandfather's tobacco pouch. She saw the three webbed letters... B-E-M, glistening, and the two circular studs. She picked it up and smelt the leather. It was like a purse, really. You didn't have to put tobacco in it. It was beautiful. Her grandfather must have left it behind when they came round for dinner the night before. They weren't staying with them because their house was too small. They were staying with her father's other sister, Demelza, who had left England and come to Australia the same time Nesta had. Now she was married with five sons and her own house in a landlocked Sydney suburb. When Ernest and Dorothy and Lettuce came to Bella's place for dinner, Ernest must have brought the tobacco pouch out to smoke his pipe after Bella had gone to bed. Then he must have left it there when it was time to go and forgotten all about it. Although, of course, Bella knew later he would remember. He would realise he didn't have it with him. He would feel like smoking and reach into his coat pocket and his hand would come out empty. But perhaps, thought Bella, pulling on her thick black fringe, he wouldn't remember exactly where he'd left it. He might think he knew, but he couldn't be sure. There would always be a doubt. Bella picked up the pouch. For a moment, she even stopped breathing, thinking someone might hear her. She stood still, as if she had been frozen by the pause button on a video player. Her heart bounced frantically inside her. 
She hurried down the corridor to her room, holding the tobacco pouch to her hip, hidden under her hand. She opened the bottom drawer of her wardrobe and pushed it in underneath her blue winter coat. She stole it. Chapter 1. Three Years Later Three years after Bella stole her grandfather's tobacco pouch, she and Nesta and Alice and her new baby sister Lydia moved to a house in the country. Nesta was a mechanic, and he liked fixing tractors more than cars, so it was sensible to live where farms were. They picked out a house about five hours' drive west of Sydney, surrounded by other people's paddocks of grey grass and even greyer sheep. Not everyone they knew seemed to think it was a good idea to move out to the country. Ernest and Dorothy, even 12,000 miles away in England, were horrified when he wrote and told them about it. They didn't like the country, least of all the Australian country. They rang up as soon as they got the letter. Nesta really, Ernest and Dorothy said. It's so far from the city and so drab and dull and what's the point of living in Australia if you're not going to be near the beach? Nesta tried to explain to his parents that this was like saying there was no point living in England if you didn't have a house next door to the Tower of London. But Nesta's father just made a clicking noise over the phone while his mother sighed in the background. Your parents think we're both complete failures moving out there. Bella heard her mother say, tossing back the dark curl of hair that swung over her broad, pale forehead. No, they don't, Alice, protested Nesta calmly. Lunatics, then, said Alice. Oh, well, perhaps. Nesta agreed, unperturbed. Nesta didn't particularly care what other people thought of him. He was as fair as Alice was dark, and this fairness seemed to lend him a certain placidity. A freedom from distress. Bella's best friend at school, Rachel, also thought the move was a bad idea. But then she was the sort of person who thought any change was bad. Rachel had brown hair in two tight plaits, not at all like Bella's short, black, thick mess, and was very convinced of her beliefs. You'll get lonely, Rachel informed her with authority, and you'll probably go funny. What do you mean funny? asked Bella, interested. Oh, people do go funny out there, Rachel said. They start wearing strange clothes and let themselves go. Of course, she added, perhaps to cheer Bella up. Your parents are pretty funny in the first place, aren't they? Unusual. This was one of Rachel's favourite topics, how unusual Nestor and Alice were, and Bella too. For one thing, their names... Rachel had never heard of such names. Nestor, Lettuce, Demelza. It was too much. You're so weird, was something Rachel often said, although it seemed to Bella that many of the things Rachel thought were weird, like eating ice cream on a cold day or sleeping until 11 o'clock on the weekend, were things that anyone might do from time to time. Well, anyone perhaps except Rachel and her parents... They never did things like that. They had dinner at the same time every night without fail and said grace before they ate, holding each other's hands. They weren't allowed to wear their shoes in the house or have a shower that lasted longer than five minutes. Rachel's father said you shouldn't spit out the toothpaste after you clean your teeth because it was wasting all the goodness of the flu ride. And they kept their bread in the freezer so it always had a slightly wet, 
stale taste about it. Not only did they do all these things, but they believed everyone else should as well. If you didn't, there was something wrong with you, and they were quite happy to tell you so. Rachel had plenty to say about Bella's house by the beach, where they were always running out of milk, taps were left dripping, and shoes gathered with the dust under the furniture of most of the rooms. But Bella didn't mind Rachel laying down the law. She didn't mind having such a bossy best friend. It wasn't as if she ever really agreed with Rachel. Whatever Rachel herself might believe, Bella just listened and watched and thought about it, coming to her own private conclusions. You can come and visit me, she suggested, when Rachel went on about how much she would miss her and all her weird ways when they went to the country. Rachel found this hysterically funny. All that distance? It must be over 300 kilometres away, she said. Imagine how much that would cost. Oh, would it cost that much? Well, you can write to me. I'll try. Rachel replied kindly. But you know how many pen friends I've got? It's hard enough keeping up with all of them. This was true. Rachel had a lot of pen friends. She got them through a children's magazine that was handed out at her Sunday school. They were from all over the world. Africa, India, America. Bella never wanted that kind of pen friend herself. From reading Rachel's letters, all they seemed to do was write long lists of information about their hobbies and pets and what they were learning at school, and it never seemed all that different from what Rachel was doing, no matter what exotic country they lived in. If Bella could choose a pen friend, she would want someone who had absolutely nothing in common with her, like a very wise ancient old man, or perhaps a nun who gathered the dying...